set faces to pun, it's the True Achievements Podcast. On today's show, Star Trek, should you be enterprising or cling on to your cash? Always on or off, we discuss the next Xbox rumours. Dog wants a rimming as Bethesda announced a legendary edition. And Rich attempts to join the Mile High Club. All this and more retro game references than you can shake a Space Invader at on TA Pod Episode 2. to True Achievements Podcast number two. Uh, you liked the first one so much, we decided to do it again. Uh, with me today, I have the regular team of Michelle. Hello. We've got Dog of Thunder. Hello. Rich, Mr. TA himself. Hey. And I'm your host, Jonathan, otherwise known as OSU Blue Jacket or Jay. Uh, and as a special surprise for all of you, thank you for joining, thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing. And as a special reward for all of you, we're going to have a giveaway at some point during this podcast. So be sure to listen closely uh, as we will have a fabulous prize, or a not-so-fabulous prize, most likely to be fabulous, though, um, to give away at some point during this podcast. But uh, as always, we're going to kick off the podcast with a little segment called Whatcha Playin'. And uh, since I am nothing if not a gentleman, just don't ask too many people, uh, we'll start with Michelle. So ladies, go first. Uh, Michelle, Whatcha Playin'? Um, well, other than uh, Star Trek, which we're all actually going to hit a little later because uh, all of us have had experiences with it this month, um, I finished up Deadlight and I actually wanted to follow up on something I had said in the last podcast. Um, I had gotten a little stuck in the Rat's Den area and I was like, oh, maybe it's the controls, maybe it was this. It was not the controls at, at all. It was me overcomplicating things, which is typical. And um, it was really just a matter of run and jump, and it would have been fine. So I uh, got through it. Um, I rather enjoyed the game. I I loved it at the price I got it at. I don't know that I would have been very happy with it at 1200 because it's so short. Um, I mean, I think it's three to four hours, uh, even including all the collectibles and everything. So it's, it's not a long experience. But it was enjoyable. The voice acting was horrible, as a lot of people talked about, but you can kind of get over it. Um, but great game, especially if you can get it on sale, would highly recommend it. Um, otherwise I started recently working on Burnout Crash, uh, which is another one of those great, you can pop it in for 20 minutes and play it real quick and it's just explosions and all sorts of fun things like that. Um, so definitely recommend that again, if it's kind of a sale thing, uh, I know, um, dogs completed it so he can talk a little more maybe about if it's worth it at full price. But right now I, I don't know. I just know it's fun. I'm having a great time with it. Burnout Crash is awesome. Yeah, take it away, dog. Why don't you tell us what you're playing right now? Uh, well, first off, I just need to give some more props to Burnout Crash. It's great. You have your little car driving towards an intersection. You crash it. You cause as much damage as you can. It's kind of like pinball in the way it works. And it's got all these little requirements on each level and these little special things that happen when you fill up your meter. It's great game. I paid full price for it. I did not regret it. I finished it. Loved it. 
If I so, finished... Doc, I'm a massive fan. Sorry, can I just ask? I'm a massive fan of the Burnout series, and I was originally tempted when I heard about this this title. Um, but it's is it not sort of top-down, sort of cartoony style rather than the normal Burnout um, crash mode, which is obviously a more realistic? It's top-down. It's very cartoony. It's got great sound clips from you know popular songs in there as well to amp up the cartoony vibe of it. It's not realistic at all. It's definitely an arcade game. Like I, I know that probably sounds kind of a lame way to describe it, but it, I can see going into an arcade and popping a couple quarters in and playing this game for five minutes. It's got that kind of vibe to it. There's not a sense of real world physics at all. You know, you explode your car and it might float halfway across the intersection so you can explode another car. So it's definitely a different game style from uh, I'm going to pick this up. Burnout. You've convinced me. Yeah, generally though, if I finish <laughs> a game, it's because I really love it. Which is why last month, when there was a lot of XBLA games on sale, I picked up Bark of the Ninja, and within three weeks, I had completed that game with all the achievements, which, for me, it's rare. It's a milestone whenever that happens. But, man, Mark of the the Ninja for 600 points was an absolute steal. I should have paid full price for this game a long time ago. It's basically a 2D stealth game done by the same guys that did uh, Shank. So it's got the gorgeous 2D animation style of Shank with this real light and sound-based stealth mechanic, which is really simple to pick up on, and it lets you do some really fun things as the game goes along, like throwing your darts to take out a light. Well, it gets rid of light so you're harder to see, but it also causes a sound wave, which it shows in the game. And if a guard is caught in the sound wave, it gets their attention. So you can start luring guards away from your path, lure them into traps you have set up, lure them closer to you so you can perform a stealth kill and hopefully not alert anyone else in the room. It's it's a phenomenal game. I could talk for like two hours about this game and how well it's designed. Just Just... If it's on sale again, go buy it. Yeah, I heard nothing but amazing things about it. It's definitely been on my watch list. I unfortunately, like, I missed the sale when it came on. I was busy doing something, couldn't find time to get on and buy it. But it's it's definitely one I'm going to be picking up. And I, I need to give a shout-out to the TA community with this one because a lot of people in the community were saying how great this game is. And if you check the game ratings, it has one of the highest ratings in the TA community from people that played it. It was like a 4.8, and most of the wow. people that played the game voted on it. It, it. It's up there. Everyone that's played this game seems to have really liked it. So if it's on sale, go buy it, go play it, enjoy it, thank me later. Yeah, and it's, I mean, <laughs> it looks like it's pretty good completion, too. I mean, it, it's one of those game, arcade games that has the 400 gamer score base, but the TA score is 692, so it, it's got a decent level of... Uh, challenge it looks like but it's still easily completable Uh, what i love about the achievements in this game is it's such a well-designed achievement list it you get achievements for going through a level without killing anyone or alerting anyone well you're gonna want to do that anyways because you get more points that way anyways the game encourages you to play it that way without being detected without killing anyone yeah, that sounds a lot like what uh, Arcane did with Dishonored, which I totally yeah. loved. It was so good. Yeah, uh, same sort of thing. 
And uh, you get achievements for killing guys in, you know, inventive ways and terrorizing them. And then once you beat the game, and it's got a kind of cool ending to it, then once you beat the game, it unlocks New Game Plus, which is, you know, the game again, but it's harder. Nice. Nice. It's sort of get the last achievement, you know, have to go through the game on New Game Plus, but you've got all your gear and outfits from the first time around, so... It makes the earlier levels a lot more fun and interesting, and once you get good at it, you can run through the entire game in like an hour and a half, but it takes skill. And the achievements, you know, they they develop the skill. They actually have you learning things that you're going to use and rewarding you for it. Great achievement list. It's not... Collectibles aren't hard to find. It's just a well-designed, well-developed game all around. I loved it. But that wasn't the only game I picked up on sale. I picked up Dust and Elysian Tale, which I'm not going to talk about now because I haven't beaten the game yet. My first reaction to that game is that it looks gorgeous. I'll probably talk about that game more next month. Right now, though, oh, I've got to talk about Retro City Rampage. Wait, wait, the guy who loves games that are five years old loves a game that's designed like it's 30 years old? No way! <laughs> It's a shock, isn't it? Oh my god, Retro City Rampage is so good. I hate to go like all tween girl on you for a moment there, but oh my god, Retro City Rampage is so good! It has... Oh my god, it has references at a rapid fire pace. Like, every, every mission is a reference to some other game I grew up playing. I mean, it, it starts out like The Dark Knight, which was a uh, caught me off guard. I didn't expect a reference quite that, you know, recent. Goes from the Dark Knight to then you're playing Frogger to then you run into Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future <laughs> to then running around town and getting attacked by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You keep on playing. You run into Batman. You keep on playing a little bit more. You have a mission where the Joker appears and it beats Batman's sidekick with a crowbar. You keep going, and then you realize that all of a sudden you're in a dream sequence within a dream sequence, running a tank, and it actually makes the Inception brom sort of noise as it's happening. It's it's unbelievable. The game itself is kind of, you know, okay. It's a, you know, Grand Theft Auto, Open City knockoff, like the original Grand Theft Auto. And so the gameplay is kind of twitchy. It's hard to aim. You're running into stuff all the time. It's it's kind of hard to jump on guys' heads, like, you know, one of the Mario Brothers, which... Yeah, there's another mission based off of the original Mario Brothers. You know, the one with the pipes and stuff coming through and the power block in the middle? You've got a mission like that. There's... Oh, God... So many missions are ripped off to so many games. Snake's Revenge from the NES, if anyone remembers that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commando is in there. There's a Jackal sequence in there. Smash TV is in there. Street Fighter is in there. They make a reference to Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, um, Dog, when you're saying though that you, know, you run into Batman, you run into the Ninja Turtles, is it sort of tongue-in-cheek like you run into the ninja turtles but they're called something else it's or do they actually totally tongue-in-cheek batman is referred to as biff man who lives in biff manor <laughs> and 
my favorite mission so far in the game. I'm like halfway through. I got distracted by all the side quests and stuff that you can do, because there's a lot of stuff to do in this game. But at one point, you have to follow Biffman. And it's one of those follow missions in sandbox games that everyone hates. Oh, God, so bad. (laughs) But the game is making fun of these follow missions by saying how boring they are. So as you're following Biffman, you also have to go to Starbucks and get coffee to keep yourself awake. (laughs) And at one point, there's no Starbucks near you, so you have to jack a car, go through the drive-thru of a Taco Bell... Get some caffeine to stay awake and keep following Biffman. It's Brilliant. it's so stupid. I I love it, and the the moment I totally fell in love with this game was when you have to go talk to a local crime lord who's stealing bikes, and you have to get in on his crew. Well, you go to the bike shop, and the guy that's stealing bikes is. The trainer from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. <laughs> and if you, know, awesome. you remember, whenever you cleared a weight class in that mm-hmm. game, it had the training sequence where you're running after this guy who's on a bike. <laughs> so, well, cool. well, the cherry on top of the game is it, it's got a super good ratio. Like, it's another one of those games with 400 gamer score, and its ratio, it's almost a thousand points. Uh, of TA oh. scores, so it's nine ninety seven oh. right now. Oh. So you're going to definitely there's, get your money's worth. There, there's a big reason for that, though. Okay, and part of the reason why I only have, you know, like a hundred gamer score in it, and I've played it so much. One of the achievements you have to get a gold medal in all of the slaughter sprees, and these sprees are really difficult. Like you, you're going to have to play them a couple times to get them and the timing with your attacks and everything it can be a little wonky enough that doesn't matter much for the actual game itself but these sprees have very tight timing requirements Mm. and so if stuff doesn't spawn when you need it you can fail to get a gold medal and it's no fault of your own yeah that achievement i'm just looking at it right now it's got a 3.77 ratio so that's that's definitely no joke now the one right underneath it, which is you know the uh, death cam achievement for clearing a mission without dying, yeah. that one's not too bad. I've gotten close to earning that a few times because I'm at that point in the game right now, and it's not it's not too bad. That can be done with some practice. The only one that's really annoying would be the spree ach- achievement, and uh, and the collectibles are actually fun as well in this game because one of the collectibles is running into invisible walls. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. How long great. do you think the campaign is? The the story. Oh, I don't know because I keep getting sidetracked by side <laughs> missions. I mean, if you were just following the regular campaign, it would probably be a pretty quick game. But right, okay. If, but there's plenty to do. Besides. There's plenty to do. At least when you're doing the main campaign missions, you run into stuff like the guy from Destructoid. One of your missions is, you know, getting a game genie to use as a cheat cartridge to help, you know, rebuild your time machine. And another mission has you running into the A-Team and Magnum P.I. at one point. It's just even even the main missions are filled with these sort of stupid, crazy references to, like, the 80s going on. And it, 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 it it's awesome. If you can get it on sale... 
it's worth it if you grew up playing games and you can pick up all these references on your own. Uh, the graphics are, of course, you know, really old fashioned, so it's not for everybody. It's an acquired taste. I can't recommend the game to everybody because it does have the twitchy controls and everything. But if you laugh as much as I do when a game starts out with a parody of Mega Man 2, and while it's parodying Mega Man 2, it tells you how cliche a parody of Mega Man 2 is, then it's the game for you. Gotcha. Well, uh, Rich, what are you currently playing? Uh, I mentioned last time that um, I'd picked up Tiger Woods. I've been working on that. Um, absolutely loving that game. It's as I said before, the, um, just nailed the uh, controls so well, and it's it's one of those games that you can just pick up and play at any time. I've actually cleared quite a lot of the game now. I've got thirty-seven of the forty-nine achievements, and I'm now working my way towards uh, quite an epic achievement, which is called Record Breaker, and it's um, seventy-five gamer score. Currently with a ratio of over four, so it's worth a massive 310 TA. Um, and it's to basically complete all of the PGA t- Tour goals, and that involves winning um, 37 separate PGA Tour tournaments. So each one takes about 20 minutes, so <laughs> if you work it out, that's about 13 hours of, um, of golf. Um, and of course, you've got to win them all. Do they have an achievement for, for going to the Waffle House after you win your tournament? Yes, I know that's what Tiger Woods used to like to do. You have to just do that, but you get waffles, which is surely the achievement in itself. Oh, of course. Do they also have an Do you also have an achievement for making an illegal drop? Oh god! <laughs> and they don't have one for turning up late either. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, because <laughs> I'd have got that by now. Um, so yeah, I'm loving Tiger, and I, I will get that achievement uh, hopefully this week. I've, I'm probably just over halfway through it. Um, and after our discussions before about THQ, and Michelle mentioned that UDraw was probably the nail in the coffin of that company, uh, mm-hmm. I went, I got, I randomly got an email um, from one of the shops that I buy games from to say that they had uh, UDraw Instant Artist down from, I think it was seventy pounds down to seven pounds, which Whoa. is about ten bucks. Wow. So I thought I might as well try it because I was interested to see. You know what what had happened to THQ and and how this this li- lovely looking peripheral <laughs> has brought the downfall of the company, um, and it's quite I think it's a reasonable bit of hardware. It's, it's a useful uh, it works well with the drawing and the, uh, the the feedback and everything works really well with it. Uh, the game itself is pretty dull. Uh, I've now got the full thousand in it. Uh, it didn't take particularly long time it's one of those games where it throws achievements at you in the first hour i think i'd probably got more than half the game done in the first hour um, but there was one particular achievement where you have to use the controller the peripheral the UDraw tablet um, as a, a tilting device and there's a maze on screen with a ball and you have to tilt the tablet and roll the ball around the maze without dropping in the holes uh, and get it to the finish. And there's 40 of these maze levels in the game. Oh, cool. Yeah, by the end of it. And you, it's so frustrating as well because the, the further you get, the more holes they put in. And it's so easy mm-hmm. for the balls to drop down the holes. And I, I swear, I, that achievement took me a long time. But it was the last one I had to get in the game. So I was determined to get it. And um, I reckon it, it probably took me a good three hours just on that one achievement. But um, incredibly frustrating. It's one of those things where you, you throw it down on the ground because you just can't believe that you've dropped the ball. <laughs> you've got right to the... The most annoying thing is they design it very cleverly so that the, the holes are right... The most holes are right at the end of the maze. It's uh, mm. incredibly frustrating. 
Um, and then I've played a few Windows Phone games this, this week, um, which I'm not going to talk about, but I continue to be amazed at the quality of, of the Windows Phone games. There's loads of great stuff out there, and they're all generally at a very good price. So if you have got a Windows Phone, um, seriously check out the demos on, on the Marketplace because there's, there's some really good stuff nice. on there. Well, just to, to guide someone who is a Windows Phone owner, what one game did you play this week would you say someone should absolutely go and get the demo for? Uh, Mirror's Edge. Mirror's Edge is oh, fantastic. Oh, Mirror's Edge was quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it just shows what you can achieve graphically on, on the device. It looked fantastic for a phone game. Um, and I'm also a big fan of Amazing Alex, which is like um, a physics-based um, level game, which I'm still working my way through, but that's great as well. Um, yeah, but m- almost all of these games, I think I think it's compulsory, actually, that they have a free demo. So, you, you know, it's not costing you anything to try and... Um, and even if you do want them, they're, they're only a couple of bucks as a maximum. Some of them are even cheaper. So uh, I highly recommend Windows Phone games. They're, they're a good way to pass the time. And also a good way to earn achievements while sitting on the toilet, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly that. You've learned well. <laughs> Getting a pop while making a plop. Um, oh, very nice. So uh, I'll kind of close things out. I haven't been playing much new stuff. I did uh, clear out Bioshock Infinite uh, on 1999 mode with the... Uh, special modifier of not buying anything from the the uh, the vending machines. And I do want to point out, like, I was initially worried about playing it on 99 mode. Uh, I cruised through hard mode pretty well until I got to the final battle, which I'm not going to spoil the final battle for anyone, but it, it's pretty tough. A lot of gamers complained about it. But we actually have uh, a really, really good guide on the site for how to get through that battle. It's from uh, Amina's Aminer JF. It's the top solution for Old Lang Syne mode. So if you're struggling through 1999 mode, be sure to check that out because um, it really gives an amazing, amazing tip for that final battle. So definitely check that out because it still has a really healthy ratio. Um, the ratio for beating it on 1999 mode is 2.94. Um, so it's a 75 gamer score achievement. It's worth 221. It's an incredible, incredible achievement. And his, um, or her, because I don't know if it's a, a male or a female, but the solution is really excellent on it. So definitely check that out if you're rolling through there. Uh, I'm also trying to close out Syndicate. Um, I know I talked about it quite at length last time, but the last achievement I have is the CEO achievement on it, which is 100% completion, uh, beating all the levels on all the difficulties, maxing out all the research and doing all the challenges. It, it's basically the seriously of the game, uh, and I have like two things left to do on it. Uh, so I've set up a session on the site. Uh, I think we're still looking for one more person, but by the time you're listening to this, I'll hopefully have completed it. Um, we'll see. But that's kind of what I've been working on. And then I also, like everyone else, I, I played Star Trek. It's uh, it's the reviews up that contains my thoughts on it. Please, please go to there. And we will talk about that more uh, as we go along in the podcast, because it is unfortunately our game of the month. So we'll be talking about that. But we'll uh, shift gears here. Talk a little bit about the news, and really, we'd be remiss if we didn't lead things off with possibly the biggest news uh, of the month, uh, maybe the biggest news we've ever covered on the site, but the next-gen Xbox is official. Uh, Major Nelson spilled the beans about the launch event. Uh, Tuesday, May 21st, is coming up in about two weeks. Uh, We'll be hearing about what's going on with the next Xbox. Um, Yeah, it's very exciting. Um (laughs) While details, official details are kind of sketchy at this point, all we really have is is a date and a time of, of when we're going to learn more and hear more. Um, Polygon actually got access to some pretty good rumors, which they come from their inside sources, 
and they talked quite a bit about what we can might be hearing. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting stuff about achievements. Kind of the one that I think most of our community members are going to be excited and or nervous about is the ability for publishers and developers to possibly add achievements to a game after launch without the need of DLC. So almost like a patch to add more achievements to the game. Um, that's obviously going to drive completionists nuts, but it, it's also incredibly exciting. So I think we've all read that article. We'll, we'll probably post a link to it in the story for the uh, the podcast so that Polygon gets their clicks for it, because it's really an amazing potential story. But uh, what do you guys think about it? Uh, any thoughts on what we could be seeing out of this next Xbox? I think that achievement thing is really interesting, and I, I imagine that it will take a while for the developers to really take it up i imagine that the first launch titles probably won't make use of that very much if at all um but it certainly sounds interesting especially as a way to drive um the community in the polygon article they suggest that it might be used to drive the community uh in say multiplier titles to to do a specific thing and i think that's that sounds quite cool it keeps the um interest in the game alive it's more likely to stop people trading it in if they think there's um uh, the possibility of additional achievements down the line, which I guess is probably the reason they're doing it. Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting to see because I, I you know, was kind of monitoring responses to this on my friend's feed on the site, um, seeing how people are responding. And I think like all of us, uh, my friends on TA kind of run the gamut in how they approach achievements. Some are very, very casual and some are completionists. That's what they do this for. And um, the completionists are kind of in a bit of a conundrum because there are quite a number of them that won't, buy a game until they know it's completable so you know new release it's something everyone wants and they'll wait you know a month until all the achievements have been earned by a number of people well what are you going to do when there's a possibility that six months down the line a new game's going to come out and make your stuff not completable because you didn't buy the new game uh so i think it's it'll have an interesting impact on the completionist community um, for myself, I think it's my gaming, my purchasing habits won't change. So I don't really know that it would have so much impact on me. If, uh, you know, game A wants me to buy a game B and I'm just really not at all interested in game B, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I think it's, it's an interesting concept though. Yeah. So Michelle, sorry, talk, talk about that idea. Cause that was, I thought that was the most controversial thing. And I, uh, that surprised me to be honest. Well, my understanding, and I could be incorrect, is that the, the achievements can be updated now without the need for a, a patch or, a, you know, something – or not a patch, I'm sorry, a DLC, additional content of that nature. Yeah. Um, but what they can do is uh, a game can come out in the future, and they can attach achievements to something in that new game. So that'll pop in game A. And this isn't like um, – one of, one of my friends had given the example about, like, Banjo-Kazooie. There's an achievement in one of the Banjo-Kazooie games to do something in one of the others. But that other game is already out. So we already knew it was there and it existed and, and you knew when you saw the list for the newer Banjo-Kazooie game that you'd have to buy the first one to complete it. That This opens this whole world of possibilities and, and who knows how far it can go. We can wind up with something where, you know, you get a, a game like a Star Trek, right? The movie tie-in game and an achievement comes out three months later when the game's, when the, when the, um, sorry, the movie's available on Netflix. Well, watch it on Netflix. Now you get an achievement. So who knows what kind of interaction we can yeah, see with weird. achievements and, and apps and, and new games. And it seems like that's there's going to be infinite possibilities now for new achievements coming out, which is kind of scary, again, for that completionist part of the community. Yeah, I think it's you hit the nail on the head. It's depending on what they do. And I, I just have to remind everyone, this is all speculative at this point. Microsoft actually didn't comment on it. They said they were waiting 
Uh, we're excited to share more about this new generation of games, TV, and entertainment on May 21st, but have nothing further to share at this time. So they're not commenting either way uh, about this Polygon story. But I, I agree with you. This could totally change how Achievement Hunters operate, especially those completionists. If, you know, in theory, you know, in theory, a game could go forever without being completable. If you have a super popular title, like, like let's say a Halo 3 that people are playing, you know, five, six, seven years after it's been released, and a developer and publisher who support it, what's to stop them from adding, you know, quarterly achievement updates to keep those people playing it? It's it's an interesting twist. I think it could go either way. I'm honestly excited about it because there are games that I love to play that I've gotten all the achievements with, and I don't really have much of a desire to just play if I can't earn any achievements with them. Is this really any different to free DLC, though? I mean, it's a similar, similar principle, isn't it? Well, yeah, it, it it isn't though because it might require you to buy a whole extra game, right? Free DLC is free DLC. If you choose not to get it, that's on you. Um, but you know, telling you, well, now that Halo Seventeen has come back, you're gonna come out. You're gonna have to go back to Halo Six to get an achievement. I can't believe yeah, that. Like, I just. That seems just. I, I don't. I, can't, I, mean, I don't see the, extreme... the, why they would want to do that. I suppose it's to get you to keep Halo Six. <laughs> That's exactly why they would want you to do that. This whole thing with them addressing achievements is them trying to dig the claws in a little deeper. For example, having an achievement hooked up to Netflix. Well, to get that, you won't have a Netflix account on your Xbox 360. Well, that's good for net Netflix. That's good for Microsoft because they want this console will be the center of your living room and your entertainment hub. They will put out more achievements like the Connect Fun Labs or the Xbox Live Labs because they know that people will do anything to earn an achievement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's a fair point. It's very, I mean, it's very Pavlovian. I know I wrote an op-ed about it a long time ago that once people discovered that achievements are this type of validation and gratification for doing something you already enjoy... It's just going to keep growing. And so I think Microsoft has really figured that out, that these are things people enjoy and really like a lot. So we need to find ways to make this bigger. And it's smart business. Some gamers might not like it, but it's really smart from a Microsoft perspective to want to have this next generation Xbox be the, as you said, dog, be the focus of your living room. I mean, I know in my house... We use our Xbox for Netflix. We use it for HBO Go. We will watch DVDs on it. We'll listen to music through it. We'll do a. And that's just off the. That doesn't even mention games. I'm the only one who plays games in our house. But my wife turns on the Xbox a couple times a week to watch a movie or listen to music. And I think that's where Microsoft is trying to shift, um, at least towards a casual audience who might not love games, but who sees all of these positive things that an Xbox can do that they will enjoy and will want them to buy into it. Well, the other thing about achievements is that the system has changed so much since they were first introduced. I mean, we now have achievements on Steam. You have trophies yeah. on the um, the PS4. You have achievements in World of Warcraft. Yep, iPhone like, games. My as well. wife is playing. My wife is playing World of Warcraft now. So I went in there to see what they give achievements for, and my mind was blown when I saw that they had 424 achievements available in that game, I would like to see the, you know, number of achievements per game go up. Yeah. To, 
this this limit of like 50 or 30 based of what type of game it was or 99 it um it really hamstrings some of these developers yes fair point. like pinball fx2 has suffered recently because they can't go with their trend of the earlier tables they had to cut it back because they were getting near that achievement ceiling so instead of having three achievements per game we're getting one per game but i mean that's something they could ditch immediately there's no there's no real reason um for that limit as far as i can imagine well, but why ditch it immediately when you can use it as a sell point for the new thing? You know, and I'm sure it's stuff like people have been clamoring forever for bigger party sizes and more friends on their friends lists. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, part of the rumors is these are things we're going to see with the new console. It's it's all kind of holding back because even though these are things that should have been available all along, well, now it's shiny and new and this is how you're going to get it. Um, exactly. I, I think a, an important point to make is some gamers or some plugged-in people might point to Microsoft guidelines and be like, oh, they can't do this. Oh, they can't do that. They have guidelines. Microsoft could throw all their guidelines mm-hmm. out the window with the launch of this new console and completely rewrite how they do things, which is probably something they're at least looking at. So, Well, no, no. If they did that, they would no longer be Microsoft. Then they would become Apple. That's oh. a good point. <laughs> which which I, I guarantee you, if you put the money guys at Microsoft in a room and said, would you want to be Apple? Every single one of them would say yes. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I, w- I want to ask you guys actually a question about this May 21st announcement. You know, people are very excited about it, and obviously we're all looking forward to it. We're, we're definitely going to have uh, coverage, and I think, Rich, you're creating a hub for it, too? Yeah, the hub's going to this... go up this week with a countdown on it, and um, all the news stories will be immediately dispatched into the hub, um, and we'll be covering where all of all of our content will be based there so yeah look out for the hub it will be uh, up this week yeah i also i'll be watching the uh, the press conference i'll be live tweeting it through our at true achievement uh twitter account so if you for some reason can't watch that press conference and still want to stay updated uh be sure you follow us on twitter because we will be live tweeting it uh and we'll also be getting up news stories as quickly as we can as accurately as we can on the things we see and hear from microsoft yeah it's going to be a great day and i would also recommend um popping into the ta chat room if you're near a pc because um that's generally quite a laugh when these announcements get made and e3 is certainly good fun in there there'll be there'll be plenty of people in there chatting at the same time so um ta chat room for for this i just can't believe microsoft chose that day to make their big announcement I mean, don't don't they know what that day is? I don't know what that day is. <laughs> I don't know what that day is. That day is release date for Fast and the Furious Showdown. Oh gosh! <laughs> Stunt, st- okay, someone quick call Major Nelson. They gotta change it. <laughs> Um, one other thing I just want to get to real quick. Cause I actually um, want to remind people, too, we'll also have uh, Facebook and Google Plus threads going on uh, during the announcement, too. So those are other ways you can interact with us and, and interact with other TA users um, about the announcement. Yeah, let us know your thoughts because we're, we're interested. Obviously, this is but huge. So um, actually, tell us what you think. Rich, on that, on that uh, line of thought, and before I guess we leave this real quick, I'm just curious what you guys think Microsoft's actually going to tell us on May 21st. Sony did a big event like this too, and most people left the event going, um, so it looked like air. They didn't really tell us much other than it's happening. Uh, do, do you guys think they're actually going to go into this achievement stuff? I, I'm kind of under the impression we might know the name, and we might get come back at E3, we'll tell you a lot more. Do you guys think this is um, going to be a bigger reveal? No, I think they've got to, they've got to 
do a similar thing to what Sony. Did you see the PS4 launch? Um, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. That I was a long that. presentation, and they covered a lot of stuff. So I imagine Microsoft will do the same. It will. It will. They'll show us a lot of games. They'll show us. Um, there'll probably be a lot of concepts, but we're. Don't forget, we're we're actually probably quite close now. Everything will be set in stone now. Um, right. And it's it's really just the production that's that's left to make sure they've got enough of these boxes ready for Christmas. So, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're going to see pretty much everything. Yeah, I think you're going to get a lot of hardware specs. You're going to see third-party uh, game and software and application providers doing small presentations, being like, Netflix, here's what we're doing with the new Xbox, HBO Go, here's what we're going to do. You're going to see probably some sort of Connect 2.0 demonstration um, you're going to hear all the technical specifications on processor strength, um, details about the new controller, probably some sort of update on what Xbox Live is going to be. They'll probably talk about achievement integration. Um, you'll get a couple of game announcements, but I think they're really going to shift. I think they want to make this presentation not gamer-specific. Like, yes, they will talk about games. Don't Don't hit the panic button. But they're positioning themselves to make this an entertainment console as much as a gaming console. So I think they're going to try and cut the wide swath of this is why every home in America and around the world needs one of these in your living room. I think that's what they're going to do with this presentation. Xbox music will probably feature um, quite heavily as well. Yeah. Are we going to get an answer to the DRM question? Uh, I, I don't know if you're going to get a full answer to that, but I do think they will address the, the rumors of always on, and what that actually means. They may not go into specifics, but I think at this point, the re- the speculation has been running so rampant, it, yeah. it wouldn't do them any favors not to at least say, either calm down, we got it figured out, it's going to be something, but here's it's not going to be as bad as you think it is, or here's what we have, nuts and bolts, exactly what we're doing. Um, just mm-hmm. it, by them not addressing it, it's just going to make all the rumors spiral further out of control. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we actually do have... Uh, a community question coming in via Twitter uh, about the next Xbox. This comes from Chuck Jacobson, Jacobson, who is at Chucky J on Twitter. If the next version of Xbox Live gives more leeway to developers on how to use achievements, how do you think that will affect them? Uh, we already kind of addressed this, but Dog, what do you think developers are going to do um, with any type of change? They will string you along for as long as they can to play their game. They will milk you for as much money as they can, and they will make it so that you will never trade in that game for fear of never having a completion. They have their claws into you. It's just going to get worse. I I totally agree, but with less sinister overtones. Yeah. How was that sinister uh, overtones? That was fairly Claws upbeat. into you, milk every dime out of you. All you're missing is a top hat, a monocle, and twirling your mustache. How do you uh, well, no, actually, all I'm that. missing in that case is a monocle. <laughs> okay, fair enough. No, I, I totally agree. There, uh, I think it's retention. They want they want you to yeah. keep playing their game. They don't want you to have to buy another game, and they want to incentivize you to do that. So, well, the, the good side of that is that they can actually can add stuff without having to add DLC to do so, and that gone the way of a number of devs adding achievements to games this generation. Um, like Awesome Knots, for example, released new Awesome Knots. Not actually DLC, could not release new achievements with it, despite doing so on the Steam version. 
Same thing with Minecraft. Extra achievements on the PC cannot bring them to the 360 because in order to add achievements, it has to be added as part of DLC. And they simply can't do that. So I think we're going to see a lot more achievements. It'll give the devs a lot more freedom. All joking aside, it's probably going to wind up being a good thing for gamers and a good thing for the devs. So yeah, I'm excited. I think, I'm, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. yeah, end of the day, it's going to be and good. And I think this could be a fairly brilliant solution to the used game problem. I know Major Nelson had said someone asked um, at one of his podcasts, you know, what's the opinion on GameStop? And his answer was sort of a, you know, look, GameStop's important to the economy of gaming. You know, nothing obviously you can't say too much, um, but building this kind of structure makes it so that okay, GameStop can still exist and buy and sell used games and all that, but are you really going to want to get rid of your games now? Um, so I think it, it answers the question without putting in, a, you know, some of the early rumors about the next Xbox where, you know, that there's going to be stuff in there that totally stops used games from working. Do you guys trade in your games? Just out of interest. I do not. All the time. When you're on a do budget you? like I am, you, you basically have to. My gaming is a self, you know, sufficient hobby. I trade in games to get new games, and that's how I keep myself going without spending much actual money. If if I run out of space to actually physically store my games, I will go through and find the ones I'm like, am I ever going to want to play this again and or share it with somebody? So really, it's just the bottom of the barrel that I ever end up selling back. Right. I've never sold a game. I, I, I guess, I don't know whether the culture is slightly different here, but I just it's never even really occurred to me. We do have second-hand... Uh, games in our in our equivalent of GameStop, which is called Game, which actually was in a lot of trouble earlier, but is, is um, fighting its way back. Um, but no, I've never. I've got every. I'm looking at them now. I've got every single 360 game I've ever bought set here. Nice. Yeah, it, I've just. It's maybe it's just the growing up with gaming all the time and all that, and there wasn't really a used market or secondhand no. market for the most part when you're playing NES and Super Nintendo games, and it's kind of fun sometimes to go, you know what, we're going to pull out this Super Nintendo cartridge and play it. So I think I just have kind of a hoarder mentality. Yeah, I think that's my problem. I'm a hoarder. I don't sell them. Yeah, I I look every now and again, I'm like, wow, all these PlayStation 1 games haven't been opened since mm, approximately (laughs) 1998. And they're just going to keep staying here because they're worth a penny a piece now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I've never been one to sell back games either. Hmm. Awesome. So do you think this means the end of the online pass? No, not at all. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I said those two words. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand I understand a lot uh, of gamers' anger about online passes. And, yeah, they may put a, put a little bit of a pinch in your pocket when it comes to an online pass. But I always take a look at it from the business perspective on the, in general that it's, you know, it's a one-time charge that is, you know, five, ten bucks. But those go straight back to the developer and the people who made the game. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good thing. So, um, well, games that, speaking of a game that does not have an online pass, um, Skyrim was in the news this past month. Uh, Bethesda officially said goodbye to Skyrim DLC. Um, They're done making it. They're moving on to next projects. uh, And they're also releasing a Legendary Edition, which contains everything they've done so far. I I think everyone knew that was coming. Um, I know in kind of our pre-show discussion, not many of you... Played a lot of Skyrim. I, I loved Skyrim. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, TA's Game of the Year, as voted by the community in 2011. Um, I absolutely adored it, uh, which is kind of ironic because I, I tried to get into Oblivion like three or four times and just couldn't mm-hmm. get into it for one reason or another. 
but Skyrim, um, it's kind of like the opposite of what happened with Star Trek. I went and rented it the day it came out, played it for two hours, immediately returned it and went and bought a copy because I'm like, I love this game so much. Um, it, it was absolutely wonderful. I, I really liked it. I'm looking forward to seeing what Bethesda is moving on to next. I hope it's Fallout 4. That's something I'm really hoping is all along the way. But, um, Michelle, did you get any time in playing Skyrim at all? Uh, no, I have a copy uh, that was given to me. Um, but I just, I'm not a big fan of the Western RPG in general. Uh, I know it's a big time commitment, and uh, I've had a hard time playing games that have a campaign that runs longer than eight to ten hours. Um, and I'm just not, like, I know there's a lot of customization, right? You make your own character, and I've, I've just never been into games where you create your own character. That, that type of narrative doesn't really work for me. So I, I just haven't had a lot of inclination to play it. Gotcha. How about you, Rich? Did you uh, go to Skyrim and wander around and kill a dragon? Yeah, I killed a dragon and then I pretty much gave up. I, I don't know. I've always had issues <laughs> with RPGs. Pretty much the only RPG I've ever really got into was Mass Effect, and that's really because it's mainly a shooter rather than an RPG. But no, mm-hmm. I, I found it. I just the thought of wandering around with a sword and a shield just bored me, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I was saying I tried Oblivion and got out of the dungeon, and then I was like, right now what? And, um, I. Yeah, I don't know. They're just not for me. I, I, I continue to pick them up, and I picked it up purely because of the game of the year on TA. If I thought if this many people love it, then it's it's got to be brilliant. But I maybe I'll go back and try it again. But I haven't even. I think I put one achievement in it as well, so it's quite annoying. Um, <laughs> but it's not one of those games you can just go and quickly clear up, is it? <laughs> no. Oh no no no. It's it's several. Uh, I think I've probably between a couple of characters put in two hundred hours into uh... that game, maybe. Um, and I loved virtually every minute of it. Um, I think the DLC support for it, they didn't just release tiny little bits of DLC. They have a couple of them, but, um, the two main ones, which were, uh, Dawnguard and Dragonborn, they they were both really, really good, uh, provided incentive to jump back in, even after I'd kind of gotten through most of it and cleared up most of the achievements and they still brought me back in. And it, it was one of those games where... Jumping back into it with a new character, it felt like putting on, you know, your favorite pair of shoes. It, it just felt right. So I really enjoyed it. Um, Dog, are, are you, I think you were one of those people who were waiting for this Legendary Edition. Are you planning on uh, picking it up at some point? I was waiting for a Legendary Edition. I knew it was coming. I knew there was no point in picking up the base game because they'd eventually do this. And so Skyrim was released in, what, 2011? Yeah, it was uh, November... It was 11, 11, 11. Yeah. That was Skyrim Day. Okay. All right, so um, guess when I'll be picking up the Legendary Edition. 11, 11, 16. Probably. All right. <laughs> but I absolutely loved Oblivion. It was actually the first 360 game I picked up. You can't tell because it's not on my gamer card because I picked it up and I played it before I even had an Xbox Live account. And I loved Oblivion. Walking out of the sewer that first time, looking around and going, now what? That, to me, was the game. And it was great. <laughs> I became Fair a enough. thief and I terrorized everybody. I joined the Thief Guild and I had a ton of fun. It was, the level of freedom was incredible. I loved it. And so if Skyrim's anything like that, I'll probably enjoy it when I get around to it. But. It's just a matter of I've got so many other things to play. Eventually I'll get to it. I'll love it. It'll be great. If you were that person who snuck into town, stole everything, and terrorized people, you were going to love Skyrim. Because my character that I built out was like a stealth archer in heavy armor. 
So I basically maxed out my sneak, my archery, and my heavy armor, and was basically a tank that nobody could see or hear and could kill everything from half a mile away. It was amazing. Um, so definitely check that out, but uh, I, I think this is kind of the Viking funeral to Skyrim. We're bidding it a fond farewell. Hopefully people will continue to enjoy it, but uh, I know I'm super excited to see what Bethesda is working on next. I just hope they're not moving more people to the Elder Scrolls on. Oh, I hope not. I hope that's not what they're doing, because that game is a dead man walking. Yeah, that. I, I think, if anything, um, the lesson Bethesda should be learning from uh, BioWare and EA is that even if you have the greatest license ever, MMOs are just... The, they're high risk, high reward. So I, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with you, dog. I hope they're moving these people onto Fallout Four, which I'm sure if the rumors are true and they said it in Boston, you will be all in on that because, man, I, I'm really hoping it's Fallout Four. Oh man, if Fallout Four is set in a post-apocalypse Boston, I will be there day one. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> um, we actually uh, this past month it was a little bit earlier in the month. Had a, had a really good op-ed submitted by one of our community members, uh, Janitor Dune, who wrote a great piece on uh, In Defense of Tacton Multiplayer. Got some really good discussion going on the site. Um, I, I know specifically uh, Dune mentioned uh, Bioshock 2, which, very polarizing. Uh, you either loved it or you hated it. It was kind of hard to find a middle ground, especially in terms of the multiplayer. And then also uh, Singularity, which was one of my kind of underground games that I absolutely loved. Uh, but, uh, Dog, did you have any type of... Uh, Multiplayer games that were quote-unquote tacked on that you actually enjoyed? Oh, I, I had two. Uh, the first one is a common one that people discuss with this subject, and that's Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Uh, adding multiplayer to the Assassin's Creed franchise, everyone was all up in arms. How can you do that? The first two games were great single-player games. You know, multiplayer will ruin the experience. I thought the Brotherhood multiplayer was great. It was hide-seek and stab someone in the neck. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was good too. It was so different from anything else out there at the time. Just the way that you were trying to hide and trying to hunt and all the skills and everything. I thought it was very well done multiplayer. I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't feel like it was too tacked on. They even rewarded you with like little story snippets from the Templar point of view as you rank up in the game. And I know some people that went to 50, not for the achievement, but so that they could see all of the story beats that, you know, they release as you level up, which I thought was a great way to do it. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood multiplayer loved it. I understand they also included the multiplayer in uh, Revelations. Mm -hmm. And um, yes. what they changed in Revelations with the multiplayer was horrible. And it didn't dig its claws into me as much as Brotherhood did. Brotherhood was really good. What they changed in Revelations, not so good. But the base concept of the multiplayer, great idea. I, I love the hide-and-seek, stab-in-the-neck gameplay. So awesome. However, not my favorite tacked-on multiplayer. Oh no. My favorite tacked-on multiplayer is Red Faction Guerrilla. Um, Do we have to pause was... here for, for like a gasp of shock? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've played that. I'm trying to remember oh, it now. Tell me Red about Fac it. Doug. Red Faction Gorilla's multiplayer was so good. Basically the entire summer of I think like 2009, that's what I played. If anyone was on my friends list back then, 
they saw how much time I spent playing this game. I have the achievement for playing 250 ranked matches. <laughs> I earned that legit. There was no boosting. <laughs> and my actual stats are something more like 300-something played ranked matches. The multiplayer was so much fun because it had the fully destructible environments uh, yeah. with like teams of eight going at it. And my favorite experience was during a siege game where you either have to defend a structure or try to bring it down. Well, there was this map with this you know, big gorge in the middle. And so some guys on the other team had brought down a smokestack. It fell, so it created a bridge over this gorge. I had a brilliant idea to run down to this bridge they had created, set timed explosives, and then blow it up when someone was trying to cross the bridge. I set my explosives, someone goes across the bridge, I hit my explosives, it blows up the smokestack, but it does so in such a way, and the physics engine was so good, basically made a giant missile of the smokestack. <laughs> so it went up the hill and into the two-story apartment structure that was one of the siege targets, and it totally took it down. It was a, an amazing moment. It would have been even better if I wasn't supposed to be defending. <laughs> but it was an awesome moment, and I, I, I love that multiplayer ever since then. And if people still, you know were available to play it. I have the game on the PC now. I will happily play that again if anyone in the community wants to get together. Just for fun. No boosting. I love it. I'll still play it now. Nice. Uh, Michelle, did you have any uh, quote-unquote tacked-on multiplayers that you enjoyed? The big one for me was also Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Um, you know, I don't typically jump into multiplayer games on my own. I usually wait till a group of friends or uh, ready to play it but I had gotten the game pretty close to launch or right at launch and I was just like all right let me just jump in and like like dog was saying the fact that I could hide in a hay bale and just bide my time like that you didn't need to be really frenetic or twitchy but you could watch the situation I absolutely fell in love with it my only problem was the contested kills because I always felt like no matter what I did like you know I could never stun a guy I would always just die um, but beyond that I, I loved it like there was a little period when the game was new, when everyone started unlocking the gun, that people tried to play the game like it was any other multiplayer. They tried to like kind of stand somewhere and snipe you. But because you have so many other great skills you can use, blending and whatnot, it, like you could counteract that. So I absolutely loved it. So that would have been that like that totally was worth it. And I I never expected I would have enjoyed it so much. I actually hit level fifty legit on that one. I just loved playing it. Nice. Rich, how about you? Any uh, attacked on multiplayers you enjoyed? Uh, I'll give you another vote for Assassins. Um, but no, generally generally not a lot of multiplayer. I generally dip in them to um, try and grab a couple of achievements. In fact, Tomb Raider mm -hmm. had a few. Um, and I spent a little time with uh, one of the guys off the site popping some achievements in that. But um, yeah, I generally stick to campaigns and don't play a lot of multiplayer. So... Uh, I haven't found too nice. Many. I uh, I did play some uh, Brotherhood uh, multiplayer. I, I agree. I, I enjoyed its novelty. I thought it was a, a worthy addition to the game. It, it was a good distraction from um, just the single player experience. I don't think it took away from anything. Uh, I think I ran into the same problem that uh, Michelle ran into in that when I finally got around to playing it, uh, there weren't many people online. Those that were online were either really really good at it or really mm -hmm. really bad at it, 
and uh, it, it was just hard to, to for me to really dig into it. The the one that a lot of gamers kind of complained about when they heard about it uh, that I really enjoyed. I, I love the Mass Effect Three multiplayer. Um, some people say that's tacked on, yeah. but I thought it was very well integrated, I and, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, so that that's kind of where I stood on that. But I just we just wanted to give a, a little special shout out to Janitor Dune for submitting that. Um, you can always submit if you've got an opinion you want to share with the community. Please send it to me, OSU Blue Jacket. Um, I read everything I get, and I, if you send me an op-ed, I will respond to you, even if it's, say, not quite, might not be the best fit. But we're always looking for good stuff from our community to put on the front page. So thank you to Janitor Dune for sending that in. Um, it got some really good discussion, so we wanted to give it a quick minute here in the podcast. Um, speaking of things we want to give a quick minute to, we're going to skip ahead to uh, the THQ auction. Um, went final. We have the results of the second THQ auction. Kind of uh, the mystery buyer came out of left field to buy up all those miscellaneous THQ assets. So, uh, Dog, you're, you're our business guru. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the home to all of these new franchises? Oh, this is going to be a really quick discussion because um, basically a PC publisher, Nordic Games, made a surprise move and for a price of $4.9 million acquired pretty much every leftover franchise in the THQ catalog. Uh, Nordic Games picked up Darksiders. They picked up Red Faction, one of my favorites. They picked up Baja, Edge of Control, uh, Destroy All Humans, they picked up. Uh, Frontlines, Fuel of War, if anyone remembers that one. Full Spectrum Warrior, which is really going back to the first Xbox. Um, Stuntman Ignition, MX vs. ATV, Titan Quest, and uh, the U-Draw was also picked up Wait. by Nordic <laughs> Games. <laughs> All for $4.9 million, which is really, really cheap. Uh, to put that number in perspective, the original Darksiders game had a total budget of about $20 million. Wow. And the second Darksiders game had a budget of about $25 million. And so Nordic Games acquiring all these licenses for $4.9 million, mm, that, that that's a pretty good deal. And the reason it happened that way was because you're talking about you know an economy of scale at this point, where the more that they bought from the auction, the cheaper it actually was for them. So the odds of them actually acting on all of these IPs that they now own is very low. Um, I don't think we're going to see another Frontlines game, if at all. Um, the big ones that we might see is a Destroy All Humans. Red Faction might happen. MX versus ATV might happen. And Darksiders may happen. What's likely though, is since Nordic Games did not pick up any developers with this. All they picked up was IPs. They're probably going to farm these out and license the IPs out to different developers. So, even though Crytek... So they bought them as an investment. Well, didn't really? they, yeah. It's, it, it's a future didn't investment. Didn't they um, post something about what people want to see with Dark's Darksiders, I, I thought they had kind of already jumped right in and and made some kind of public comment, like, "What are you looking to see for this?" You know, there are supposed to be four, um, so it seems like they are looking to move forward with them. Yep, they, they are definitely looking forward to move forward with Darksiders in particular. Um, on their official forums for the company, they ask people to put in what they want to see in a new Darksiders game, and 
a lot of people responding and telling them what they want to see. Um, some of the Crytek USA staff, which is, you know, the artist formerly known as Vigil, who created Darksiders, they chimed in with what they want to see Nordic Games do with the franchise moving forward. So we're probably going to see another Darksiders. It'll probably be on the next Xbox. I don't think we'll see another one on the 360. And I wouldn't hold your breath. We're probably two years away from this becoming a reality. And maybe another three or four from it actually hitting store shelves. Um, that wasn't the only big you know, buy in the auction, though. Gearbox, whom is making a habit out of rescuing um, abandoned IPs, they swooped in and they acquired the Homeworld franchise for $1.35 million. Now, that name probably doesn't mean much to, you know, the console gamer, but in the PC area, Homeworld is a big deal. That was a big-time strategy game. And so Gearbox is, first off, releasing every Homeworld game on modern digital platforms so that people can play them again, which I think is a great thing to do. And they've already said they are going to move forward and they're going to make another Homeworld game and they're going to put their stamp on it. That's another game we're probably going to see on the next Xbox. And I'm really curious about that one because it's space-based strategy. And, well, we don't have much of that. So I think that's going to be cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so it's. It, I think the, the big takeaway is that Nordic Games, they're, they're going to be like the middleman for all these franchises. They're not going to actually make anything, but they're going to be saying, here, give us money and you can make this title. Um, instead of actually doing primary development or publishing. Licensing is where most of the money is in this industry. It's something not many people understand or want to talk about. But when you're talking making massive amounts of profit, it's the licensor that makes a profit. It's not the developer. It's not really the publisher. It's whoever actually owns the IP that they're using. They get to see the money. That's going to be Nordic Games for all of these franchises moving forward. Yeah. Speaking of uh, IPs that make gobs and gobs of money, we got a new Grand Theft Auto trailer um, this past month. Uh, this one took a look at uh, the three protagonists that you'll get a chance to play. Uh, it, it's obviously, this is a highly anticipated game. Um, right now, I think it's only coming out on this generation of consoles. I don't think, uh, I'm pretty sure Rockstar hasn't made any commitment to this being one of those crossover titles that makes it to next gen too. But uh, how, how do you guys feel about uh, GTA V? Are you interested at all in uh, where they're going with this with this game? I'm definitely picking up day one. GTA is my favorite series of, of all, so I, I absolutely love those games. I will definitely be buying it. Yeah, I, uh, I've i never really been super interested in, in GTAs. I, I played 3 when I had a PlayStation 2, didn't really get into it. But the, the game I loved from them, I loved Red Dead uh, Redemption. It, it's one of my favorite games of this generation. Um, and I'm hearing that they're doing a lot of the same stuff they did with Red Dead in GTA V, so I may have to give it a look at some point. But it's one of those games that's kind of on the periphery for me. I'm not super excited about it. Uh, Michelle, how about you? I wind up picking up every Grand Theft Auto at or near launch and then wondering why I bothered to pick it up at or near launch. Um, it's not a judgment of the game itself. I'm just not very good at them, which leads to me not enjoying them very much. Invariably, there's a mission that involves you riding a motorcycle, and I'm as ill-coordinated in gaming as I am in life. 
and <laughs> I just can't manage them, and I drop them. So I, this time I'm going to be avoiding the new GTA. Dog, are you going to go rain havoc on the West Coast with GTA Five? What year did Grand Theft Auto Four come out? Uh, <laughs> two thousand nine, maybe two thousand eight. Came out two thousand eight. So I started playing it last month. <laughs> and I really like what they did with that. So, Yay. If GTA, have you got the DLC? I, I got the whole thing for my PC. I got the entire package ah. for seven dollars and fifty cents. I couldn't say no. It's a lot of fun. Really like it's it. It's brilliant. If I GTA love it. Five goes off of the GTA Four formula. I'm on board. It'll be great. Well, it's going to be more like Vice City, I think. So it'll be more. That's even better. Vice City is my stuff. favorite yeah, exactly. out of all of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, everyone listening to us probably could have told you that Vice City was my favorite one even before I said that. But Vice City is just amazing. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I'm with you on this one, Doug. Uh, Speaking of amazing things, uh, Rich, we had some new uh, features on the site go live this month. We have uh, game notes and a DLC tab. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, the functionality of uh, what's going on with the site? Yep, sure. So yeah, I did a couple of um, couple of site updates this month. Um, the game notes was something I've been thinking of doing for a while. It's just a way for you to add notes on any game at all, whether you own it or not. Um, and then those notes are persistent, so they'll be there whenever you go back to that game page. They'll show on the game page, and they'll also show on any achievement uh, page for achievements in that game. So they're pretty much there constantly. You can edit them, save them whenever you want. Um, it's just useful for keeping track of stuff. So uh, for example, if you, there's a collectible achievement and you want to make a note of what you've won so far, you can cross them off as you do them. Um, it's pretty useful. I'm going to try and implement it this month for gamers as well, so that if there's particular gamers that you want to make notes on, maybe they're good boosters, maybe they're not so good boosters, and you want to keep a permanent <laughs> note about those, I'm going to try and get that done this month as well. And the other feature we added was a DLC tab to the game pages. So if games have any DLC packs, you'll see a new tab, uh, which lists the number of tabs in the tab, uh, sorry, the number of packs in the tab itself. And clicking on that takes you through to uh, listing all the DLC packs. And you'll also see when you click on them, um, what your friend's scores are and what the achievement distributions are for that pack. Um, Should just make it easier for you to... Uh, see whether you want to buy the DLC, basically. Uh, we also had some new game announcements come out this month. Um, obviously, this is kind of looking forward to E3, when we'll probably see more of these and hear a few more announcements. Uh, but we'll just kind of rattle them down the list, then we'll take a minute to talk about the ones that you're interested in. So uh, probably the biggest couple we have coming are Batman Arkham Origins, uh, which is being handled by a new studio. Rocksteady's not handling it. I think that's kind of the biggest news out of that. Uh, Call of Duty Ghosts is... Obviously, it's getting out of time of year. It's time for another Call of Duty. Uh, Project Zway, um, the new game from, uh, I think, Shin, uh, Shinji Mikami is being rebranded as The Evil Within. They released a, a trailer, which is evidently all live action. No computer stuff happened there. Um, FIFA 14 was announced. Uh, again, it's time for that. Hell Raid coming from Deep Silver. Um, the one I'm kind of interested in is the Bureau XCOM Declassified. This is basically what happened from the XCOM shooter that went away once um, Enemy Unknown kind of blew up. Uh, NHL 14 got announced. Vote Bobrovsky for the cover. Uh, Smurfs 2. Um, Flashback is getting a remake released for Xbox Live Arcade. And Le Tour de France 2013. So, uh, Michelle, what what excites you, if anything, on that list? Um, 
I'm definitely excited for Batman Arkham Origins. Um, the first two Batman games were great. I will never go after all the collectibles, but just playing through the story and seeing what they do, um, they've, they've done an awesome job. I know it's another studio, which, of course, causes a whole bunch of uh, trepidation. People get worried about that sort of stuff. Um, but still curious to see what they do. Um, I'm very interested in the flashback remake. I played the game on the Genesis, I think. Um, so really curious to see where they're going with it, what they're going to do with the look. You know, it's, it sort of had like a Prince of Persia type gameplay style, um, which doesn't necessarily, you don't really see that sort of thing anymore. So I don't know if this is going to be like the XCOM shooter where it's a different kind of reimagining from the original type of game, but looking forward to it. And, um... I'm always interested in what Shinji Mikami's doing, but uh, right now just it being called The Evil Within in a live action trailer hasn't sold it for me, but definitely going to watch The Evil Within and see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Rich? What are you uh, digging into in the list? Uh, I will definitely pick up Call of Duty because it's Call of Duty and I always pick them up. <laughs> and I generally, I know they get a lot of stick. Um, I take a lot of flack, but I, lo- I generally love playing the campaigns in Call of Duty. There's, there's no, no rush quite like playing those games. Uh, I'll pick up Batman, and I'll definitely pick up FIFA 14 as well. The rest of it, I don't know enough about to be excited for. I mean, Tour de France, really, a cycling game? I mean, they do it every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dog, what I'm... games are you planning on picking up in five years? <laughs> I am planning on picking up La Tour de France 2013. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Which hopefully Wait, does that look a, great? Hopefully you'll have a Lance Armstrong mode. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I think I'm going to end that line of discussion right there before I get us all fired. Well, as long as it's not Connect compatible, um, I think we'll be okay. Honestly, though, the Bureau XCOM The Classified looks really interesting. I really like that setting, and I think they're taking it in a good direction now, so it looks less and less like a generic shooter, just with the XCOM name tacked on. I think they're doing something interesting with it at this point. And I, I, I want to see what they do with it. I think that looks cool. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I was kind of excited uh, when I first heard the announcement. I think uh, I think Xbox, the, the official Xbox magazine, had a cover story uh, about the XCOM shooter maybe a year or two ago. And I read that, and it sounded like it was really interesting. Um, it sounded like they were taking some inspiration from, like, Mass Effect and putting it together with, like, a cover-based, uh, a more cover-based shooter, and you had to make real-time decisions on where you're going and who the aliens are going to take. So, yeah, I, I've got my eye on that one. That's definitely one I'm going to be looking at as well. And uh, like Michelle, I have uh, Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman Arkham City, so I'll be keeping tabs on Origins, but I don't want to be the overreactionary gamer, but I, I am kind of curious to see what a new studio is going to do with it. it. It has given me pause because Rocksteady really had that formula figured out. So while I'm excited to see Rocksteady moving on to something else, I really... I've got kind of a skeptical eye turned towards what uh, I think Warner Brothers Montreal, I think that's who's doing it, is going to be doing with Origins. So, excellent. Uh, Dog, in addition to being our business guy, you're also the charity guy for True Achievements. And I know you've been doing a lot of uh, charity stuff that, that's kind of happening now and, and also is coming on down the pipeline. What, what's going on in the, uh, in the gooder world of giving? Uh, well, first off, we have officially launched our TA campaign for Extra Life 2013. We had a front page article go up a few weeks ago, and we're going to have another one go up in another week or two when we launch our official Extra Life 2013 charity hub. Isn't that correct, Rich? That is spot on. <laughs> Excellent. It's going to be gorgeous. 
Excellent. It's going to look great. Um, we're trying to make a big push for Extra Life this year. We have a lot of little mini marathons set up throughout the year. Um, our next one is going to be in June. I may mess with the timing a little bit based off of what the team thinks. But uh, right now, we've got 38 members of the TA community that have signed up. And we have raised $1,131 awesome. for Extra Life so far. Very nice. And, and Dog, since some people might not know, why don't you tell a little bit about Extra Life, um, what they do, just so everyone knows about them. Because they, they're a really, really awesome charity. And I think every yeah. gamer should know about them if they don't already. What Extra Life is, is it's, you know how people do like fun runs for charity and that sort of thing? Well, Extra Life is a fun run for gamers. Um, it's basically a weekend and you set aside and you do a 24-hour video game marathon and you get sponsors as you know you're running your marathon. Um, and you can choose to support different Children's Miracle Network hospitals. Uh, what the Children's Miracle Network is, is it's a organization that helps provide medical care for families and children that they can't otherwise pay for it. Um, almost every hospital is associated with the Children's Miracle Network. It's great. They help support burn victims, uh, leukemia, um, broken bones and scrapes, that sort of thing. Everything. If a family can't pay for it, Children's Miracle Network steps in and gives them a hand and helps them out. Um, that's what we do. I personally am running in support of the uh, Shands Children's Hospital in Gainesville, Florida. And we have different members of our team running in support of different hospitals. Like, um, we have another member playing in support of uh, University of Kansas Medical Center Pediatrics. Whatever. You sign up. You look at a list of the hospitals. If there's not one near you, a number of people in the community made suggestions as to hospitals that they want to support. And so you can go through the um, Extra Life thread, see what community members are saying and suggesting. Find one that you want to support. It's great. $5 is a great donation. $20 is a great donation. Even just spreading the link and spreading the word for us through social media is great. I love it. It's just as supportive as if you were a member of the team. Awesome. And uh, you you actually did some charity work earlier before we uh, started recording today. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about what you were doing uh, earlier this afternoon? Yeah, bright and early this morning at 11 a.m., I logged on to Halo 4 for the first time in a few months to take part in a uh, Griffball charity stream to help benefit the One Fund Boston, which was set up in the wake of the Boston Marathon bombing to help people pay medical bills and help go towards the reconstruction of the area. And um, full disclosure, I partly did this because I was born and raised in Boston. That's my hometown, and it means an awful lot to me. So when one of the TA community members, um, Master Sundown, contacted me and told me about this, what his group was doing, I, I, I happily supported them with their charity stream these insane people are part of the uh, nga griffball association what that is is basically an organized play league for griffball in halo 
And it, it, it's crazy how organized and how serious these people take their grift ball. It's really interesting to see this because achievement communities are not the only gaming communities out there. There's different communities based around all sorts of different aspects of games. The Griffball League is one of them, and it was great um, gaming with them for two hours this morning as part of their charity stream. Um, if anyone's interested, NGA Griffball Twitch TV channel, they have all sorts of league games they play all the time, all sorts of great videos up there. I think the stream's going to be archived. So if you want to hear me and see me play Halo 4, I was on from 11 a.m. until 12.30 on Sunday. That's hours 18 to 19 and a half of their insane marathon that they were doing for 26 and a half hours. I can't believe they were still so coherent after 18 straight hours of playing Griffball in Halo 4. It was crazy. Um... But if you want to provide some support to them, provide some support for the One Fund Boston, we're going to have the, the uh, donation link, which is done through um, hopemob.org. It's the, um, a crowdsourcing platform for charities. It's like Kickstarter, but for charities. We'll have a link to that up um, either as part of the podcast posting or I'll put it up during the podcast thread so you know you can go support them, give some love to my hometown. No, go Red Sox. Uh, I, you had me until the last little bit. Um, hey, this year the Red Sox count as a charity. I, I don't know. They're they're doing pretty well, but uh, for yeah, now we're we. I could easily veer us head on into a baseball discussion, but I'd rather steer us into another head on collision with horrible. Um, we're going to talk about our game of the month, um, which is Star Trek. Uh, we all had a chance to play this, and and, and I hate yeah. You. I, I listen. I I understand. And what we're gonna do? You usually we'd like our game of the month to be to be good games. So we can all celebrate how wonderful the experience of playing this game is. That this is not that discussion. What we're gonna do is we're gonna make this a, a nice sharing space of safety. This is a safe space where we can all have some group therapy and just let loose the frustrations we had with Star Trek. Um, obviously, the, we review, I reviewed it for the site. The, the review is up there. Um, I, I created a supplementary review on my blog if you want to see some other thoughts uh, about this game. But um, since I had you know about 1,200 words to weigh on it at the start, um, why, why don't we just come together and, and I will give Rich uh, the first crack at, at telling us his experience with Star Trek and and, and just, just, just let it all out. Let it, let it loose. <laughs> I think you're being a, a little bit overcritical. I, Michelle and I um, started playing this in co-op, so we've only got probably how far do you think we got, Michelle? About halfway through. Uh, we're three and a half chapters. Oh, okay, not even halfway through. Game. And from yeah. reading your review, it sounds like it gets worse as you get as you get further through. But the first, the first few chapters weren't too bad. We had some. Technical issues. It was a little bit glitchy. There was one point where there was uh, an enemy running around that I couldn't kill and Michelle couldn't see, um, right? Which was a bit weird. But it was definitely killing us. It was definitely killing yeah. us, <laughs> and so we just had to leave that area or die. I think. Um, yeah, and we had another uh, section where, um, just like most of these third-person over-the-shoulder co-op games, there's a lot of 
uh, ledges you can't reach. So, you know, get your partner to boost you up kind of moments. And yes. um, Rich could get under the vent and offer a boost to me and I could run around him just fine, but we couldn't actually boost up. So we had to start from a checkpoint again to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so definitely some technical glitches. So the game is um, either single player or, or two player co-op um, playing as Spock and Kirk. And um, there's a lot of interaction between the two um, as you go through. So there's puzzles that need to be done uh, that involve both of you. And I think that's a theme that will continue throughout the game. So how does that work in, in the single player? Does that work as well? Oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> um, basically... The puzzles are bash X to open the door um, with your partner. There's also some co-op hacking where it's just just a painfully boring mini game where you need to your your Spock partner is going to take one half of it and you take the other, and basically you have to force a, a reticle to stay in the middle of a circle so you can hack open a door or a console. Oh, and it's yeah. oh god, it's it's the the co-op hacking it. The mini games are functional. But that doesn't make them good. They're no, just they're so I do agree with that. so terribly boring. In fact, we and... found on that particular minigame that we weren't even sure what we were supposed to be doing. We, I think we had four or five goes, and we were just like, I don't actually know what I'm supposed to be doing here. We just kept running out of time. And, and that's a common yeah, problem the game yeah, has, is that it, it will go from either holding your hand to an extreme degree where it says, Captain, I think you should shoot out the locking mechanism. Oh, maybe I should shoot out that lock. Captain, you should shoot out the locking mechanism. Oh, i got to go shoot that lock. It'll just continue going over that over and over again. And then it'll go to a section where it gives you zero instruction, like <laughs> no idea. Like you have to shoot the, the phasers of the Enterprise to defend it. And it doesn't tell you how or why or what you're doing. And the worst part is there's an achievement attached to that, to, you, you got to have the Enterprise survive with like 85% of hull integrity, and I defy you to do that. Ah, it's it's impossible. That yeah. yeah, we didn't know what to do on that one either. <laughs> that achievement is currently has the highest ratio in the entire game. Oh, God, it's so bad. It's like a, it's, it has an over five ratio attached to it. Yeah. I, and that happens in like the third yeah. chapter. And then they never revisit it. You do that thing <laughs> once and you never do it again. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like they had a checklist of things they had to do in this game and one was pilot the, the Enterprise and fire some photon torpedoes and phasers. <laughs> okay, did that, check it off, forget about it. Don't tell anyone how to do it and, and just get it out of the but way. I, I think that that chapter actually highlights the biggest problem that Rich and I were running into. So it wasn't like graphics, it certainly wasn't voiceover. You had to give the game a, a prop, which I believe you gave in there um in your review jay it they did go and get the actual actors and you know get those voiceovers going on there's a unique story crafted for the game so that's all well and good but the biggest problem we had was we never knew what to do we constantly felt like we had no direction so that whole scene where we're supposed to be shooting out some enemy ship we didn't know where to shoot we didn't know where we were in space like we finally finished it when rich was like oh we can look behind us well, how about that we had no idea um, that we were getting killed by things that we didn't see because we could rotate the camera a full 360 degrees. The game is just exceptionally bad at telling you what to do. Yeah, and, and that, that just continues through the entire course of playing it. Um, I played like the first third of it by myself. I played like the middle third with another reviewer um, in co-op. And we got to this point where, where he actually rhetorically wondered, are we the first people ever to play this? Because there was like... No direction given on how to accomplish your goals. 
Um, like one instance in particular, you're on the the planet of the Gorn, and one player zip lines across to the other side of a ravine to trigger a bridge, while as the first player needs to spot enemies and like snipe them and take them out. Except more oftentimes than not, the person who has ziplined across has a better view of the enemy and ends up doing like 100% of the work because the person can't see where they're sniping from and will just get mysteriously taken down by enemies who can see you through cover and hit you through cover. Uh, it was just an entire just batch of bad. Um, it the oh gosh, read the review please. I I feel like ill just remembering the technical faults of the game, and that doesn't even get into the, just the, the narrative problems that it had with the game, where this is a Star Trek game, and Star Trek was all about um, exploring strange new worlds, seeking out new life and new civilizations and all that stuff, and Digital Extremes, they gave you a game about shooting lizard men. That, that's, not, that's not Star Trek. Uh, I, I actually said that someone already made a really good Star Trek game, and it was called Mass Effect. Mass Effect yes. was a great Star Trek game, and this is just a really poor, an incredibly poorly executed bro-op shooter that doesn't do anything particularly well and does everything pretty poorly. Um, and then I, I think the biggest transgression, at least for our community, is just I, I hate using this term because it's a very buzzword term now in the games media, but this notion of ludo narrative dissonance with the achievements where the game incentivizes you for using stealth approaches and not killing enemies and trying to get through without killing anyone, yet, like, half of the achievements are about getting kills with various weapons. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just... Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I thought that was... Because comparing that to, like, Mark of the Ninja, which has the same achievement for making it through level without killing anyone, but everything in that game encourages you to use stealth... In Star Trek, uh, it, it doesn't really encourage you to use stealth. It encourages you to just kill everything. That makes the game so much easier if you just kill them all. Yeah, we couldn't even really figure out how to use stealth. There was like nah. one time we actually caught it. We're like, oh, okay, find an alternate way to go. And we thought we did, but we didn't because we failed it. We... So they, it's not like they give you a sense. Again, the game has a really bad time giving direction. Well, it's because it encourages you to use stealth, but there's no, like, vision cones. You don't know when the enemy can see or hear you. There are no indications. Um, Because this is the sort of thing I notice when I'm picking a game, I'm picking apart a game, I focus on the game design and, like, the UI and the interface Mm -hmm. and all that, how everything comes together. This game is an example of how not to design a video game. There are so many things wrong with it just from a design standpoint. That I can't believe they expect people to pay $60 for this well, game. And I think it's really telling. Like, a lot of the games media, if you follow game journalists on Twitter, I encourage you to do so because there are oftentimes a really good rubric, even before a game comes out, that you can usually pick up on whether to, to pick up that game or not. But nobody got advanced copy of this game. Uh, we didn't get it. Right. A Polygon didn't get it. Joystick didn't get it. Game Informer didn't get it. Nobody got an early copy of this game. And so it, it just shows how the publisher was trying to prey on people just, oh, it's a Star Trek game. I'm going to love it. It's got all these people that I know from the movies. It's going to be great. And this game was just a steaming pile of, of digital crap. Um, 
the, the, the worst thing that I had happen, and this goes back to the stealth thing, is there were times when I would be in cover and I would be hacking something from behind cover while trying to do stealth. I'd come out of the hacking game and all of a sudden, without reason, without warning, Kirk is sprinting straight into danger and I can't stop him. He, he's completely unresponsive in controls. I can't make him stop. I can't make him turn. I can't get him to shoot things. It's just like, it's like a runaway train into danger without any reason. It was just downright horrible. My favorite thing is that my wife and I were playing it in co-op um, together on split screen. And even when we were doing it this way, the AI controls still came up every time there was any activity to do. It still popped up with press Y to tell Spock to hack this console. Oh, yeah, but, we, yeah, we yeah. noticed that as well. Yeah, but my wife's playing Spock. I press Y and it doesn't do anything. But it's right there in the middle of my screen. The one time the game gives you direction, it's completely useless. Well, and then there are times when um, if you hold down the tricorder button, which don't get me even started on that tricorder mechanic, it's terrible, but it would show you your waypoint. Oh, <coughs> shock. Thanks. Our research camera, you loved it last week. No, totally different. I'm not going to derail this conversation into that, but you hold down the tricorder button and it'll pull up your waypoint. There were times when waypoints would be like 500 meters behind you. Like, it wouldn't, it it just refused to update or give you any type of clear direction. It's, the, the thing, the saddest thing is, this game could have been fun as a mindless shooter, but that's not what a Star Trek game should be, in my opinion. And even on a technical level, it failed so spectacularly that I just, uh, I mean, I gave it a one and a half stars, which if you look at our reviews and guideline statements, it's right in between um, don't touch it, don't rent it, don't buy it, don't play it, and the below average game that might appeal to fans of a certain genre. So that that's I, I feel like that's pretty a pretty good place for it. If you look at the achievements right now, this game does have a really beefy ratio. Uh, the game proper right now is worth over 3,100 TA score. Well, so there's one of those games with a high ratio. It's like Pimp My Ride has a high ratio. Yeah. Because the game's so bad, no one can tolerate it long enough to earn all the achievements. That's true. I mean, there. I think the biggest one of the biggest achievements is uh, finding all research items, which is going to force you to walk through walk. Mind you, walk through the entire game, holding down that tricorder yeah. button, finding everything. It's currently Oof. has a ratio of four point seven seven, and I applaud. I applaud these sixty four gamers who have actually got that. <laughs> because that that is. I'm willing to endure things for the a last achievement, but I don't think I could ever do that. So um, let's just go through final thoughts on our game of the month, uh, Michelle. Any final thoughts on Star Trek before we move on? Um, I mean, I would, I would say if you're absolutely someone who needs to have absolutely everything Star Trek because it's Star Trek and your life will be incomplete if it's not part of your Star Trek collection, then it's Star Trek. I guess you have to get it. But beyond that, uh, just stay away from it. it. It doesn't really offer anything that's worth going for. And it doesn't even have the typical tie-in game of, hey, the achievement list is easy, so go for it. Um, so just leave it alone. Yeah, uh, Rich. Final thoughts on? I know you haven't quite finished it yet, so I, I. No, I think Michelle, we're going to finish it though, aren't we? Oh yeah, absolutely. We have. Yeah, to we're going to finish I mean, it, and then um, we well, can, I can abuse it some more. 
come back and final thought it next podcast. Well, I encourage you to come back and give us your final thoughts when you complete the game. Yeah. Uh, because I really want to hear your, your thoughts towards the end of it. Um, Dog, I, I know you, you didn't venture into completing the game, but do you have final thoughts? So, people are going to hear this. And they're going to hear it. We all played Star Trek. They're going to look at my gamer card. They will not see Star Trek on my gamer card. I used an alternate account to play this because I did not want any achievements for this game to show up on my gamer card because I never want to play it again. In fact, after you guys told me to go rent this so I can take part in our discussion for the podcast, I kind of hate all of you for making me do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, I'll just piggyback onto Dog's uh, final statement. If you're in the United States and you have access to a Redbox kiosk, it is a game you can rent from Redbox for like two bucks a night. If you're if you're curious, like even if all of our warnings have not swayed you from playing this game, just rent it first before you give money to the developer and publisher for this atrocious pile of train wreck. Well, hold on, I have another addendum to that because again, if you look at my gamer card, you'll see I like bad games. I have a ton of them on my cards. I adore bad games when they're so bad they're good. There's something wonderful about them. This game is not so bad, it's good. This game is just bad. This game is not one that you will pick up and play and it will be funny or anything. It's not a Pimp My Ride. It's not a Dead or Alive Extreme 2. It's not even a One Shambara Bikini Samurai Squad. (laughs) This game is just bad. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, So we'll move on to our uh, feature, our Achievement Challenge feature. Um, We had a couple of... Good achievement challenges come in um, via PM and in the uh, thread for the podcast. So uh, the best one I actually found was issued by um, site member GLK913, who challenged um, all of us to get the Mile High Club achievement from Modern Warfare 4. Um, Now, unfortunately, Dog and I don't have that game anymore. Michelle already had it, so Rich took it upon himself to uh, get this Mile High achievement which is to skydive to safety on veteran difficulty. So, Rich, why don't you tell us a little bit about this achievement? Did you get it, or uh, did you not get it? How helpful was the solution? Yeah, I can tell you loads about this. <laughs> I've spent quite a lot of time. I've had three separate sessions, sit-down sessions, trying to get this achievement now, and unfortunately I haven't got it yet. But I am quite determined to keep going and trying to get it beyond this podcast, and hopefully I'll get it by the time we do the next one, because I am really enjoying it. It's... Um, it's the achievement is to um, go through the final epilogue level of Call of Duty 4 on veteran difficulty, uh, which wouldn't be as hard as it is if it didn't have a time limit on it. It's got a minute time limit on it, and you're trying to get through probably six rooms of bad guys. You have a squad with you, uh, but they are almost always behind you and therefore not particularly helpful. Um, and it's it's a really interesting challenge. It's perfect for an achievement challenge because I could just sit down when I had a spare half hour and have maybe 50 goes at it. Um, it's one of those things where you have to have a perfect run to get the achievement, I, I assume. I've got, let's say I've had 200 attempts at this now, which is probably fair. Um, I've got to the final bit just before the final guy once. Um, and then I ran out of time. So it's difficult. There is a video guide on TA, um, which... I watched before I attempted it and thought, that doesn't look too difficult. Um, 200 attempts later, 
I still haven't achieved it. So you can tell it's it's a pretty tricky uh, it's a pretty tricky thing to do. There are an amazing thirty seven thousand people that have unlocked this achievement. So it's not impossible by any stretch. The ratio is only one point nine. Um, I've never been the most gifted of uh, shooters, <laughs> but um, I did complete Black Ops Two on Veteran, so I you know I have. I am able to do it, but I normally take my time. And because this is a time limit based achievement, it is, it's pretty tricky. You have to have a perfect run. You have to um, even reload and throw flashbangs in the right places at the right times. Otherwise, you're just not going to make it in the time. So I'm going to keep plugging away. It's quite frustrating because you'll get a, you'll get different. So maybe every five levels, I'll get to the third room, and every twenty levels, I'll get up the stairs and round the first corner. And then, you know, it's it's sometimes I'll just die trying to stab the first guy in the toilet um <laughs> which, which unless you've tried this probably sounds a bit weird but no um, he's just trying to pop some achievements man <laughs> he's there with his windows phone, he's got his windows phone out. exactly come in and exactly. stab at him and he's trying to get an achievement poor bad form man bad form i imagine that'll be one of those achievements that when you earn it it's going to be like those moments where life moves in slow motion and all of a sudden you're just moving everywhere perfectly. You like see the pin of the grenade come out and totally, land exactly yeah. where it's you gonna want be a special, to. I'm going to certainly feel some pride if I, if I do get it. Um, cause I'll have worked for it, but I am really enjoying it. It's a great challenge. So thanks for, for suggesting that one. And, um, I'm going to keep going on it. Yeah. Just as a reminder to uh, everyone listening, we're always open for these achievement challenges. I know we had one sent in for dog, which was to collect all the dog tags uh, in Metal Gear Solid 2, which that's something that's kind of hard to accomplish in just one month. But, Dog, you're going for it, aren't you? Um, I've been meaning to get back to playing Metal Gear Solid 2. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And that's the sort of motivation I need to actually get back to it and attack it. I'm not going to earn the achievement. I'll just be upfront about this. I'm not going to earn the achievement. But I'll go back, I'll play the game, and I'll make an honest effort out of it for next month. Awesome. So yeah, if you, um, we invite all of you uh, to look at our gamer cards. Uh, I, I'm OSU Blue Jacket. Uh, we have Dog of Thunder, True Achievement, and Matriarch. Um, we're all easy to find. Feel free to take a look at our pages and our cards. Uh, see if there's achievements that in, in games you're familiar with that we don't have, and send us a challenge. You can either PM those to me, OSU Blue Jacket. You can post them in the thread for the podcast. Um, there's a million ways you can issue those challenges, and we are always looking forward to uh, getting those those challenges from you. One thing I would like to say, though, is that my card is like a disaster zone. Um, so if you want to issue me a challenge, it's a lot better to look at my to-do list, which has 100 games I actually have access to at the moment. So if you issue me one for one of those games I actually own at the moment, no matter how ludicrous it is, I'll give it a shot. I'll try. <laughs> yeah, so... Good on you. I know my beefy 74% uh, completion percentage might scare off a couple of you, but please don't don't hesitate to dig into my card because um, I, I know I've got some nuggets in there that would make for a good achievement challenge. Well, as we discussed earlier, Rich and I don't sell any games that we yeah. get. Uh, I definitely did the bean dive the last two years, so I have a whole bunch of games on my tag with a single achievement. Um, one thing just to, if you want to actually have your achievement challenge uh, performed by one of us, um, 
picking something reasonable helps. So if you see something on my tag or any of our tags where we've earned one achievement and your challenge is the very last achievement in that game that you know takes you know 400 hours to do, <laughs> we're likely not going to pick that one because it needs to be something we can at least make an honest attempt at. So keep that in mind when you're looking through our tags and uh, picking an achievement challenge for us. Yeah, good, good note. Um, we're going to – so please send in those challenges. Um, we're going to shift ahead, take a look uh, ahead to May. Um, we're already a little bit into May right now as we're recording, but uh, the game's release calendar, we're, we're starting to hit that summer slow season. Um, looking ahead to May, it looks like we have Metro Last Light coming out, um, Resident Evil Revelations, uh, Dog's, m- Dog's favorite game of the year. I'm, I can tell he's going to put it in the game of the year discussion. Fast and Furious Showdown is coming in May. Uh, Call of Juarez Gunslinger. And then I know Rich has his eye on Grid 2, and I know Michelle and I, we kind of have our eye looking uh, ahead to Fuse, but uh, is there anything in May that you guys are typically uh, kind of looking ahead to doing? Maybe not even a new release, but what what's your uh, plans for May here? Apparently I'm playing Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Michelle, what are, what's on your uh, docket for May there? Um, I have no idea. Um, you know, Star I'm Trek. trying to finish up... Yes, Star Trek. Uh, yes, we'll definitely be working that. Um, I'm trying to finish up, hopefully, Halo 3 ODST this month. I have one more firefight on uh, Alpha Site and Indoor left. So myself and my buddies who have been working on this for months now are going to try to finally put that to bed. We did one practice run this week, and we did okay. Um, you know, we got almost halfway through before we died, and we did really poorly at the beginning. So pretty confident of wrapping that up. But I don't know about new big projects that I'm working on. Like you said, Jay, Fuse would be the game this month that I'd be most interested in, but I think that's a little further down the line. Yeah, um, I'm kind of interested in Fuse, but but I'm in the same boat. Uh, I I think it it looks interesting. I really want to see what Insomniac does, and and, uh, it looks like it could be pretty cool. So I'll definitely have my eye on that. Uh, I've been waiting for a long time to find Metro 2033 on like a deep discount so I could jump in on that. Um, but I'm, I haven't had any luck with that, so I'll be holding off on Last Light. But when it comes to May, I'm probably just going to finish up uh, Syndicate. I'm going to get that last achievement. I'm going to clear it out, and then I'm going to pick something out of my backlog. So I, I managed to pick up Spec Ops The Line for $10 on Friday. So I'll be either checking that out or jumping into something like uh, The Witcher 2 or uh, Dark Souls or Far Cry 3. Those are kind of the three that are in my uh, my backlog right now. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of gearing up for E3, focusing on what's going on with the next box. That's kind of what's happening with my, uh, May. Uh, Rich, what are you looking forward to in May? Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to Grid. Um, I love writing games, so that's right up my alley. I will be finishing Star Trek with Michelle, and I've got, um, a couple of old games that I probably will start. I've got Sniper, um, and I, you've got Spec Ops The Line, haven't you? You just picked that up. Yep, picked it up. I got it for uh, $10. I was at one of my local Targets uh, just getting some odds and ends, and I was cruising the end caps near Electronics where they often throw uh, deep discount clearance games, and they had like six or seven copies of Spec Ops Line for like $9.99. Um, so I, I grabbed one of those, didn't think twice about it. I heard a lot of really good buzz about it being underrated, yeah. having a really good story, so yeah. I'll be jumping in on that. I picked that up too. Yeah. I picked that up too, so um, we'll both be playing that this Sweet. month. Sweet. Um, Dog, aside from uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, what five-year-old games are you going to be playing in May? Um, t- Fast and the Furious Showdown. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I saw the uh, the screenshots for it. That game looks like it was made in 2008, so it qualifies. It's a budget title as well, isn't it? It's coming out cheap. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's not even being released for full price. I'm, I'm going to see if that's in Redbox, and if it is, I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to live my life in May a quarter mile at a time. Awesome. So um, we're, we're going to wrap this up here. Just a reminder, um, you can send us those achievement challenges. There's lots of ways you can do that. Um, you can uh, either send them to me, OSU Blue Jacket, via PM. You can email them to Jonathan at TrueAchievements.com. Or you can just put them in the uh, thread for this podcast show. So feel free to put them there. Um, if you, Also, feel free to send us questions. Uh, we had some really good questions come in via Twitter kind of last minute. We'll be getting to more of those in the coming shows. But you can feel free to send us questions uh, either to email, PM, or you can just put them in the thread for the podcast. We'll definitely be taking questions, doing some mailbag segments. Um, also, let us know things you'd like us to discuss. Um, we're still kind of smoothing out the podcast, figuring out exactly how we're going to be doing everything. Um, we listened to your advice on the first show. We're going to be talking more about achievements and all the games that we're uh, working with. So please don't hesitate to give us some uh, good critical feedback. Um, it's always welcome with us. Uh, don't forget, you can connect to True Achievements on Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, Google+, but not MySpace. Do not connect with us on MySpace. MySpace stinks. Um, and while we're on it, subscribe to us. We made it to iTunes. We're on the big time. So Yeah. If you like, on the iTunes front, if you like the podcast, um, give us a decent rating on there. It will help spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. We're on iTunes now. So please subscribe, tell a friend, leave us some good feedback. We'll much appreciate it. Um, big thank you to the kinetic for providing our intro and outro music. Uh, definitely check them out. They're totally awesome. And we have much appreciation for giving us, uh, music to use in, uh, in the show. And, uh, I know I, we teased it a little bit earlier, but we're going to be giving away a prize, uh, for listening to this podcast. Um, who's going to spill the beans? Wait, hold on. Hold on. Before you mention anything about the prize, I just want to mention that Retro City Rampage also includes a cool little ad in it that references Iron Sword, the Wizards and Warriors 2 sequel for the NES. Fair enough. (laughs) All right. So um, we're going to give away a prize this week based, uh, I believe, on how many Retro City Rampage references Dog made when discussing at length about the game. So he was keeping track of those. And I think to claim this prize, you need to uh, find a way. So we're just going to have, what, Dog, are you ready for a mountain of PMs? Uh, Do you know how many I get already? Like three? (laughs) (laughs) Like all time three? I wish. Um, So uh, you just need to send a PM to Dog of Thunder and let him know exactly how many Retro City Rampage references he made during this show. And if we have more than uh, the first, what are we going to say? The first person to get the correct number gets the prize. Does that sound good to everyone? Well, I'm I'm going to give it like about, you know, a week, two weeks. And if multiple people tied with the highest amount, I'm just going to randomly pull them out of a hat. Um, You know, number of people that get the references. I made a lot of them. I mean, I even referred to in one of your missions where you're jacking cars, you actually jack the mystery machine from Scooby-Doo, which is incredible because Shaggy even comes out of it and he, you know, gets all stonery and yells at you. <laughs> that was a really nice. fun part of the mission, too. But yeah, everyone can mention all these references that I made throughout the podcast. You know, if you're tied, I'll randomly draw it and, um, you know, someone's going to win a prize. And we and will announce the winner clear. of the prize in next month's podcast. So be um, sure to listen to find out if you won. 
Yeah, just to be clear, though, it's not references to Retro City Rampage, the game itself, because people will be cute and be like, you mentioned it three times, ta-da. It's, it's, you're, you're talking about how many of the, the, the things within Retro City Rampage. So, like, each thing, like the Mystery Machine and Biff Man and all that, all that stuff. Correct, right. not like, just referring like to the When game I itself. go off on a tangent and I tell you that during the first mission, you get stopped by a character that looks exactly like Tom Selleck's Magnum P.I., which is clearly referencing Magnum P.I., that there is a Retro City Rampage reference. It's not a reference to the game itself. It's a reference to Magnum P.I., so that would count as a reference. Like the time I mentioned Scooby-Doo, that counts as a reference. Excellent. So uh, be sure to send those answers to Dog of Thunder via PM. And uh, we're going to close this out with the one bold question to the panel. So uh, this bold question is obviously going to revolve around the next box. Um, By the time we record our next show, we will have more details. But I want to know, what is the one thing you hope Microsoft announces with this new Xbox? Uh, I'm going to jump in first to give you all a minute to think. But the one thing I really hope they announce is um, a a good games lineup. If I had my druthers, I want to hear Fallout 4 announced with this new Xbox. Um, that that's the one thing I really really want to hear um, Microsoft talk about. If I see Todd Howard go up there and say, "Here's Fallout 4, and it shows Boston, uh, post-apocalyptic Boston in all of its glory," I will be I will be super super happy. So, um, Michelle, what is the one thing you want to see Microsoft announce with the new Xbox? Um, backwards compatibility. I have a huge backlog of games, and um, to be completely honest, if the system has either a lack of backwards compatibility or there's been some rumors that there might be some peripheral you can get to maintain backwards compatibility, I won't be buying it day one. I've just got too much to play. Uh, I don't know that I'll buy it day one anyway, but without backwards compatibility, it's it's not even a thought for me. Good point. Good point. Rich, what, are you lo- what is the one thing you want to hear Microsoft announce with the new Xbox? What I want to hear is actually what I, I want them not to do, and that's to change the controller. I absolutely love my Xbox controller. I think it's perfect for gaming, and I don't want them to change it too radically. I have heard rumors that they might be trying to change it uh, in a big way, which I would think would be a really bad thing. Yeah, that's, an, that's another good point. And, Dog, what is the one thing you want to hear Microsoft announce with the new Xbox? I don't know why he saved me for last, because the one I want is one that we all want, and we, we're just not saying it out loud. And that's okay, I'll bite the bullet and I'll say it. We all want Dead or Alive Extreme 3 with enhanced <laughs> jiggle physics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, that's something we all want. I, yeah, I, I mean, I really, it goes without, without saying. saying. I mean, no who doesn't that. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> everyone wants that. I know, everyone wants that. All right, that. well... On that note, uh, on behalf of our panel, uh, True Achievement, Rich, Dog of Thunder, and Michelle Matrark, uh, this is OSU Blue Jacket. Thank you for listening, and we hope to hear from you next month.